Attention! This makes absolutely no sense. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Xander's Facts. What is going on, everybody? Welcome into the latest edition of the Xander's Facts podcast. I am, of course, the aforementioned Xander. It is Wednesday, June 21st, 2023. Thank you all so much for listening. It is a good week to be listening to the podcast because, holy cow, y'all, we got a lot of facts to talk about. There's a certain former president who we've mentioned before on this podcast. You probably know who I'm talking about, the 45th president, who... Once again, very recently, just got indicted, charged with crimes. There's a lot of misinformation, a lot of details that you might not know about that's floating around out there. So I wanted to clear the air and make sure you knew all the facts that was going on about that case. So we're going to talk about that. And also, because I don't know if you all know this, but Saturday is the one year anniversary of the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade. We're going to give a little bit of an update on abortion rights in America. At the end of the podcast, we're going to talk about how abortion rights has changed, polling, a bunch of other stuff. That is all coming up. Lots of facts that we got for y'all on this week's edition of the Xander's Facts podcast. But before we get to all that, just wanted to remind you all that if you like the Xander's Facts podcast, if you think you're going to like all the facts on this week's edition, Remember to follow this podcast, download this episode, episode 109, rate and review the podcast, then check us out on all the socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, at Facts. that is Xander with a Z, and most importantly, remember, please to tell all your friends, everybody you know we like to call it around here, spread the facts, Xander's Facts Podcast, tell all your friends about the podcast, about the newsletter, Xander's Weekend Facts. It's a weekly recap of the week's top headlines. It is free. Check it out in this episode's description and Xander's Facts link tree. It has all the Xander's Facts links that you need. And check out a bunch of our recent episodes from Xander's Facts from this podcast. If you haven't listened to them, in the last week, since we had our Xander's Facts flashback from last week, we did two instant reaction little mini podcasts. They weren't very many. They were kind of long. For our U.S. men's national team in the CONCACAF Nations League, they beat Mexico 3-0, they beat Canada 2-0, and so for the second time, they are the only country to have won the CONCACAF Nations League. They're two for two. America! And, I didn't even realize this, but they've got the Gold Cup, the other CONCACAF competition this summer, starting on Saturday. They play Jamaica, even though that's not the A-team, but I don't know. If you want to listen to those... Those are on the podcast feed just below this episode, so go check those out. This week, though, we are talking about all these indictments, because they're making my head spin. For former President Donnie Boy, he's in the news once again, so you know what? Let's talk about him. Because for the second time in three months, Donald Trump, that's his full name, Donald John Trump, sorry, had to utter the words not guilty in a court of law after being charged with crimes. We all remember back on March 30th, he was indicted criminally on 34 felony counts by a grand jury in Manhattan, which was related to his role in payments of hush money that were paid to adult film star everybody's favorite Stormy Daniels in the run-up to the 2016 presidential election, as has been previously detailed on this podcast. You can get a Much more detailed look at that on episode 100. We did a bunch of stuff on that podcast, and we talked about that too. So if you haven't listened to that, you should go listen to that. Same as Bog. But that all came from a criminal investigation that was opened way back in 2018 by the Manhattan District Attorney, who was at the time Cyrus Vance. It is now Alvin Bragg. And that was into the reimbursement of then-Trump personal attorney Michael Cohen for those hush money payments. in twenty twenty. That investigation had expanded into bank and insurance fraud by the Trump Organization. And then in August of last year, there was a grand jury that charged former Trump Organization CFO Alan Weisselberg with grand larceny, criminal tax fraud, and falsifying business records, all of which he pled guilty to, part of a plea deal. And then in March, Trump himself was charged with falsifying business records, to which he pled 
not guilty, and that trial is expected to begin in March of next year. These are facts. So, fast forward to today, Wednesday, June 21st. Trump has been charged again, this time by federal prosecutors from the Department of Justice in regards to his handling of classified documents. Trump has called the investigation and now indictment a witch hunt, haven't heard that before, partly because of the fact that other public officials, including the current President Joe Biden, former President Bill Clinton, his wife Hillary, and Trump's former Vice President Mike Pence have also faced scrutiny in regards to their handlings of classified government documents. But Trump is the only one that's been charged, and it's important to know what exactly is in that indictment to understand the differences between the different cases so that you aren't misinformed like a bunch of people out there. If you listen to this podcast, you're going to get the facts. That's what I'm going to give to you on this week's edition. We are talking about the second Trump indictment, exactly what it is, what's in it, what it means, how it differs from all those other cases. So let's break all that down. Let's do it. What is the second indictment? This new indictment of Trump comes completely separate from the first, because remember the first came from the Manhattan District Attorney and a grand jury in New York. This one comes from the Department of Justice, from federal prosecutors. And it all stems from a criminal investigation that was opened by the FBI back in March of last year. All of this is detailed in the indictment, which is 49 pages. I've read it. You can read it online. None of this stuff is secret. I'm not breaking new information on this podcast. You can go read it online. It's all publicly available. Is it actually? And while the investigation opened in March of last year, we can originally track this back all the way to January of 2021. Obviously, that's when something bad happened on January 6th, but that's also the timeline when Trump originally was leaving the White House. So when that was happening, he and his aides were packing up boxes, putting all of his personal belongings into a bunch of boxes. However, some of those boxes also included classified documents that Trump did not have permission to remove from the White House. The National Archives realized this. They realized that some presidential records were missing, and they soon asked Trump and his staff to return all the records that had gone missing. This started in May of 2021, and we know that because of emails that have now been made public. Fast forward to January of 2022, 15 boxes of records were returned by two Trump aides, which the archives found had classified documents in 14 of those boxes. And these included some documents that were marked with some of the highest classification levels, suggesting they included some of the government's most sensitive secrets. Oh boy. And because they found some classified documents and some top-secret information, the National Archives informed the Department of Justice about this, which led to the FBI opening that investigation two months after some of the boxes were received. In May of last year, a grand jury issued a subpoena to require Trump to return the classified documents that he had in his possession at his Mar-a-Lago residence in Florida, because there was just an inkling, a little feeling, that maybe Trump hadn't given them all up. Like, there were still some at Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence in Florida. Are you sure? And in this indictment, prosecutors say that Trump tried to obstruct the investigations by giving only some of the subpoenaed documents back, even while he continued to publicly say that he was cooperating with the subpoena. The indictment also claims that Trump had suggested to his attorney that he should quote-unquote hide or destroy the documents while also instructing his personal aide, Walt Nada, to move and conceal boxes of classified documents from the FBI, the grand jury, and from Trump's attorneys. And there was another person who was charged in this indictment besides Trump, and that was Walt Nada. Whoops. But... In a new Fox News interview that aired on Monday night, which we're going to play several clips of on this podcast because it's worth it, Trump instead claimed that he needed time to go through the boxes to collect his personal items, but he was too busy 
to do so. Here's the clip. Please, please, could we have it back? And they please, asked for that. Because they have no... We they were did talking. ask for it. No. And they said, I gave can you give some, the documents back? And we were talking. And then they said they went to DOJ to subpoena you to get them Which back. they've never done before. Right. And, and but why fairness, not just hand them over then? Because I had boxes. I want to go through the boxes and get all my personal things out. I don't want to hand that over to Nara yet. And I was very busy, as you've sort of seen. Yeah, but I've according very, to the indictment, you then tell this aide to move to other locations after telling your lawyers to say you'd fully complied with the subpoena when you hadn't. But before I send boxes over, I have to take all of my things out. These boxes were interspersed with all sorts of things, uh, golf shirts, clothing, pants, shoes. There were many things. I would say much, much more, not that I know of, but not that I know of, but everything was declassified. And Biden didn't have the right to do that because he wasn't president. Nor did Mike Pence, by the way, have the right to do that because he wasn't president. That's right. We got some classified documents mixed in with, you know, a couple golf shirts. And, you know, he is very busy. All those golf games, you know, they, they take up time. I don't know if you've played 18 holes of golf, but that takes up time. There's other clips from that interview that I said we're going to listen to. We're going to play later. They're worth listening to. Just... Trust me. Why would you do this to me? But contrary to what Trump said, investigators claim that they obtained a security video in July of last year that shows Trump's aides moving some of the boxes of classified documents. So if they had time to move the boxes, wouldn't they have had time to search through the boxes instead? Hmm. So the FBI then obtained a search warrant of Mar-a-Lago, which was conducted in August of last year. You'll all probably remember that. That search turned up 11 more sets of documents, including some that were labeled as SCI, which stands for Sensitive Compartmented Information, which is highly classified. Of course, Trump didn't just try to hide these classified documents. We now know that he actually shared them with people he shouldn't have. The indictment includes a July 2021 conversation that Trump had with an unknown writer, we don't know the writer's name, about a classified military document. This was first reported back by CNN at the beginning of June, and then we found out that it was true, it was confirmed, by the indictment. And CNN reported, and it is true, that the documents describe a quote-unquote plan of attack against another country. The conversation was recorded, Trump knew it was recorded, with Trump saying, according to the indictment, that the plan was, quote, highly confidential and secret, unquote. It goes on. Trump also said, as president, I could have declassified it, and now I can't, you know, but this is still a secret. And then the indictment goes on to note that, quote, Trump showed a representative of his political action committee who did not possess a security clearance, a classified map related to a military operation and told the representative that he should not be showing it to the representative and that the representative should not get too close, unquote. So, you know what? I shouldn't be showing this to you, so don't get too close. Doesn't, uh, doesn't sound like the best things are going on at Mar-a-Lago. The indictment, though, goes further into that first conversation with the writer, who, along with the publisher and two Trump staff members, were in the conversation. It's pretty incredible, So I'm just going to, like, read this conversation to you that was quoted in the indictment. Story time! So Trump, first off, he says, quote, Well, with the senior military official, uh, let me see that. I'll show you an example. He said that I wanted to attack country A. It classified information. Isn't it amazing? I have a big pile of papers. This thing just came up. Look, this was him. They presented me this. This is off the record, but they presented me this. This was him. This was the Defense Department and him. Writer. Wow. Trump. We looked at some. This was him. This wasn't done by me. This was him. All sorts of stuff. Pages long. Look. Staffer. Mmm. Trump. Wait a minute. Let's see here. Staffer. Laughter. Yeah. Trump. I just found, isn't that amazing? This totally wins my case, you know. Staffer, mm mm-hmm. Trump, except it is, like, highly confidential. Staffer, yeah, laughter. Trump, secret. This is secret information. Look, look at this. You attack, and... And it goes on. (laughs) This is the the two sentences that just, just come right after the other. 
This is secret information. Look, look at this. I mean, no, no. So it goes on. Trump, by the way, isn't that incredible? Staffer, yeah. Trump, I was just thinking because we were talking about it, and you know he said he wanted to attack country A, and what, Staffer, you did. Trump, this was done by the military and given to me. Uh, I think we can probably, right? Staffer, I don't know. Well, we'll have to see. Yeah, we'll have to try to. Trump, declassify it. Staffer, figure out a, yeah. Trump, see, as president, I could have declassified it. Staffer, yeah, laughter. Trump, now I can't, you know, but this is still a secret. Staffer, yeah, laughter. Now we have a problem. Trump, isn't that interesting? So that's the conversation. Yeah, it is pretty interesting, I would say. Isn't that interesting? And Trump was also asked about that in that Fox News interview from Monday. I don't want to dwell on it, but according to the indictment, you were here at Bedminster on July 21st, 2021, after you're no longer president, and you were recorded saying that you had a document detailing a plan of attack on another country that was prepared by the U.S. military for you when you were president, the Iran attack plan. You remember that? Ready? You were recorded. It wasn't a document. Okay. I had lots of paper. I had copies of newspaper articles. I had copies of magazines. I know. This I is specifically a quote. You're quoted and, on the recording know, saying the document was secret, adding that you could have declassified it while you were president, but, quote, now I can't. You know this is still secret, highly confidential. And the indictment cites the recording and the testimony from people in the room saying you showed it to people there that day. So you say on this, on tape. It says just the opposite. That you can't and, declassify. And so why have it? What I said, when I said that I couldn't declassify it now, that's because I wasn't president. I, I never made any bones about that. When I'm not president, I can't declassify. And that's what you said. You didn't I said declassify that. it. I said, no, no. I said I couldn't declassify it. I could de- have declassified it. that wasn't a document. It. Brett, there was no document. That was a massive amount of papers and everything else talking about Iran and other things. And it may have been held up or may not, but that was not a document. I didn't have a document per se. There was nothing to declassify. These were newspaper stories, magazine stories, and articles. I'm just saying what the indictment says. Well, they, the recording people, and the look, people in the room who these testified. These people are very dishonest people. They're thugs. They're thugs. If you look at what they've done to other people, what they've done to, and overturned in the U.S. Supreme Court. These are thugs. These the are suggestion was people. that you wanted this as evidence that the military, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, General Milley, had preemptively sent you plans for a possible attack on Iran and that you didn't order that to happen. That's the suggestion. I never ordered it to happen, no. But no. that's why you wanted the document. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen a document from Milley. Milley, frankly, was incompetent. The last one I'd want to attack with as my leader would be Milley. That I can tell you. All right, and I last think you thing know on this. this. Ready? <laughs> yeah, I mean, why does he, he starts his answer with, ready? Ready for this? Oh, how wonderful. I'm sure lying about what happened, because contradicting what's in the indictment, which apparently recorded, and calling federal prosecutors thugs, I'm sure that's all going to turn out well for him. I'm sure. And the indictment includes images of where these boxes were in Mar-a-Lago. As you've probably seen by now, there were boxes on a stage in a ballroom. There were boxes in a bathroom in a shower. There were boxes in storage. They were like, they were all over the place. Huh. You know, typically not the best places to put these type of things. But so after that FBI search happened, you may remember many Republicans coming to the defense of the former president, including some calling for the defunding of the FBI, you know, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the the primary law enforcement agency of the federal government. That's pretty interesting, considering what all their stances were on defunding the police in 2020. And think about that however you will, but some people had no problem saying, no, how dare you say defund the police in 2020? But in what you know, two years later, oh, go full throttle to fund the FBI. What are you talking about? So then, if you'll remember, Trump then requested for a special master to be appointed by a court to review some of the documents that were seized by the FBI. This was obviously in an attempt to slow down the investigation and also claim that the documents were shielded by executive privilege. The judge in that case, U.S. District Judge Eileen Cannon, who was appointed by Trump, did appoint a special master, a move many legal experts did not agree with at the time, 
That decision was ultimately overturned by the high courts. The Supreme Court ruled in October of last year to reject Trump's request for a special master. Then, in November, after the 2022 midterms, Trump announced, once again, he was running for president. He announced his run for the White House, and that same month, Attorney General Merrick Garland appointed a special counsel to preside over the investigation over classified documents, and also a separate investigation by that special counsel into his role in the January 6, 2021 attack on the U.S. Capitol. Garland said at the time on this, quote, Based on recent developments, including Trump's announcement that he is a candidate for president in the next election and the current president's intention to be a candidate in the next election, I have concluded it is in the public interest to appoint a special counsel, end quote. So in an attempt to distance himself, a Biden appointee, from the investigation into Biden's main political rival, Garland appointed a special counsel, which you would think would, you know, kind of like appease Trump. However, this did not appease Trump. He said in a statement, quote, this is a totally expected political stunt by a feckless, politicized, weaponized Biden Department of Justice, and quote. He also called the appointment of a special prosecutor, quote, unquote, appalling and a quote, horrendous abuse of power, end quote. The special prosecutor appointed was Jack Smith. He is the former chief prosecutor for the special court in The Hague, along with previously overseeing public corruption and elections-related investigations as the chief of the Justice Department's public integrity section. Trump referred to Smith at the time after his appointment as a, quote, Super radical left special counsel, unquote. Now, I did mention episode 100 earlier. We talked about that previous indictment. And um, I don't know if you all remember this, but if you listened, we, <laughs> we also read off a couple of messages that uh, Trump sent on his Truth Social at the time. One of them regarding Jack Smith, which I guess if you haven't read, you should. But I'm going to do it again. Uh-oh. He said, quote, Speaking of leaks, special prosecutor, in quotes, Jack Smith, what did his name used to be? Leaked massive amounts of information to the Washington Compost. This is illegal, and I assume this radical left lunatic, much to the chagrin of his Trump-hating wife and family, will be prosecuted? He is a totally biased thug who should be loose on the Biden documents hidden in Chinatown and the 1,850 boxes secretly stored in Delaware, which Biden refuses to give up. Biden is guilty of obstruction. I am not. End quote. Oh my gosh. What was that? What is the Washington Compost, by the way? That's pretty good. But (laughs) what what did his name used to be? What does that mean? Apparently, he has a Trump-hating wife and family. How does he know that? Why are we talking about Chinatown? I don't under... Holy cow. We reread a lot more of those. We had a lot more fun on episode 100, if you want to go listen back to that podcast. Who would? But Trump has also claimed in the past that he's had the power to declassify documents just by saying it himself, which, of course, is not true. Apparently, he knew this wasn't the case because of that recording that we just broke down, that conversation that he had. He said that in public, I can declassify just by saying. He said that before. But that's not true. That's, that's like Michael Scott just declaring, I declare bankruptcy. <laughs> just because you declare it doesn't mean it's actually true. If you say so. And of course, the indictment had to list a couple instances back in 2016, just to remind us, before Trump had been elected president, his statements, his quotes on classified documents, because obviously we were talking about Hillary Clinton when all this was going on. Among some of the quotes are, quote, in my administration, I'm going to enforce all laws concerning the protection of classified information. No one will be above the law, unquote. And quote, we can't have someone in the Oval Office who doesn't understand the meaning of the word confidential or classified, unquote. Really? And then, quote, we also need the best protection of 
classified information, unquote. So those are things he said. And then we see what he did. And the Office of the Director of National Intelligence also opened a damage assessment into Trump's handling of classified documents back in August. Those findings are expected to be presented to Congress very soon. Now, about those 37 charges that are detailed in the indictment, you're probably wondering what in the world those are. Here's what they are. Here comes a fact! And there's 37 of them, but there's actually not that many because the first 31... Trump is charged with 31 counts of willful retention of national defense information, which is for allegedly storing 31 documents containing national defense information at Mar-a-Lago. Trump and his personal aide, Walt Nada, are also charged with conspiracy to obstruct justice for conspiring to keep those documents from the grand jury. Both are also charged with withholding a document or a record for misleading one of their attorneys by moving boxes of classified documents so the attorney couldn't find them or hand them over to the grand jury. Both are charged with corruptly concealing a document or record for allegedly attempting to hide boxes of classified documents from the attorney. Both are also charged with concealing a document in a federal investigation for the accusation of hiding Trump's continued possession of those documents at Mar-a-Lago from the FBI and causing a false certificate to be submitted to the FBI. Both are also charged with scheme to conceal for the allegation that Trump and Nada hid Trump's continued possession of those materials from the FBI and the grand jury. Trump is also charged with false statements and representations for statements that he allegedly caused another one of his attorneys to make to the FBI and the grand jury in early June regarding the results of the search at Mar-a-Lago. And the final count is given to Walt Nada. It's also false statements and representations. Nada is accused of giving false answers during a voluntary interview with the FBI in late May. Why would you lie to the authorities? Each of those charges carries a maximum fine of $250,000 each, and maximum prison sentences for each of them range from five years to 20 years. So if this man is found guilty, he is screwed. So that is what is included in the indictment and what Trump is up against. He surrendered at a federal courthouse in Miami last week. Of course, he pled not guilty to all the charges. The case is set to be heard by the same judge, by the way, who approved that special master, Trump appointed Judge Eileen Cannon, who just on Tuesday, the day I'm recording this podcast, set the date that the trial is going to begin to be August 14th, which seems, you know, pretty far away, two months, but in the whole court system, things move slowly. So that's pretty quick. And usually what happens with this judge is she schedules cases to be heard quickly, but usually they get pushed back. So that's probably what's going to happen here. Trial's probably not going to start on August 14th. There's also the fact that after Trump left the courthouse, you may have, if you were watching the news, you may have seen he stopped at a restaurant in Miami, the Versailles restaurant, where he was greeting all of his supporters and apparently praying with them. I don't know. And he also declared at one point, he declared food for everyone. But according to the Miami New Times, he left without picking up the check for anybody. But don't worry, they're still gonna love him. Rude! So, that's basically the indictment. That's what's in it. That's why Trump is being charged. The question many people have, though, is how is what Trump did different than what current President Joe Biden did, or Mike Pence, or Hillary Clinton, crooked Hillary? How are these different? Trump claims that because those individuals haven't been charged for retaining documents, then it must mean that he has been singled out as the victim of a witch hunt. Haven't heard that before. But there's a couple major differences, and a lot of it points to the third page on the indictment, if you can look it up online. The indictment lists out five major points as to how Trump caused obstruction in the investigation. They are... A, suggesting that his attorney falsely represent to the FBI and grand jury that Trump did not have documents called for by the grand jury subpoena. B, 
directing defendant Waltine Nada to move boxes of documents to conceal them from Trump's attorney, the FBI, and the grand jury. C. Suggesting that his attorney hide or destroy documents called for by the grand jury subpoena. D. Providing to the FBI and grand jury just some of the documents called for by the grand jury subpoena while claiming that he was cooperating fully. And E. Causing a certification to be submitted to the FBI and grand jury falsely representing that all documents called for by the grand jury subpoena had been produced while knowing that, in fact... Not all such documents had been produced. Come on, Donnie boy. So the reason why Trump has been charged and Biden, the Clintons and Pence and others haven't is because Donald Trump knowingly had this classified information in his possession and actively attempted to obstruct the federal government's investigations into it. And there's, of course, the fact that he shared some of that information with individuals who didn't exactly have security clearance. If Trump had willingly cooperated and turned over the documents, all of them, when he was subpoenaed, he likely wouldn't have been charged because no one else has. So in regards to President Biden's situation specifically, there were obviously classified documents that were found in Biden's possession from back when he was vice president under President Obama. Ten classified documents were found in a locked closet at a University of Pennsylvania center where Biden had an office from 2017 through 2020, and another six classified documents were found at his home in Wilmington, Delaware. And when his aides found the documents, they say they immediately turned them over. Now, Attorney General Merrick Garland has appointed a different special counsel, Robert Hur, who is a former U.S. attorney in the Trump administration, to investigate Biden in this. But what Trump did that got him charged, knowingly withholding classified documents, is not something that Biden did that we know of. The investigation obviously is ongoing, and even if prosecutors think that Biden should be charged because of the Justice Department's stance that a sitting president can't be indicted, as he's president, he probably wouldn't face any legal consequences. We remember that from the investigation into Trump by special counsel Robert Mueller, while Trump was president, because that investigation found that Trump may have obstructed justice during the Russia investigation. House Republicans also say they are looking into the matter of President Biden. But you know, they've also been looking into Hunter Biden. Hunter, on Tuesday, by the way, was charged by a couple crimes federally in Delaware, which we're probably going to talk about later on in this podcast because there's a lot of chitter chatter about Hunter Biden, his laptop, all about that. So we're probably going to cover that. In a future podcast, too, just to make a note for myself, I guess. But when you take a look at former Vice President Mike Pence's case, it's pretty similar to Biden's. His aides found about a dozen classified documents at his home, which were immediately turned over to the National Archives by his attorneys. There was another classified document that was found when federal agents searched Pence's home, which they did with Pence's consent. But again, because Pence willfully complied... The Justice Department has already announced that he's not going to face any charges. And by the way, Pence is also running for president in 2024, which he's already announced. Merku. Because I guess mother gave him the go-ahead. But Trump is going to lie and say they didn't turn over the documents. Here's a clip from that Fox News interview saying just that. Belabor this. No, but belabor this. But when I, you I look at this, get to the other specific. presidents, when they leave, they take the papers. They have... Thousands and thousands. Obama had it. Nixon had it. Carter had Their it. The Bushes had it. These are super sensitive national security oh, documents. I'm sure, I'm sure, All right, so here's, I'm sure you'll see is, real super sensitive that Biden has. Because Biden is, has far more than anybody's ever kept. And he turned them over when asked. No, he but, didn't. He that's, still that's hasn't he given the 1,850 boxes that stored at the University of Delaware. In fact, they're fighting him in court right. and they're fighting him. And but he the opened boxes, up for them to look at it. Excuse me. The boxes from Chinatown, he didn't turn them over. He sent them up to his lawyer in Boston to look at before they handed them over. And their special counsel is looking at that, and we'll see what comes well, out of it. But I do want to just you can imagine. This. I don't want to dwell on it. That's right, y'all. So many boxes in Chinatown. I don't know where he gets these numbers. I don't know where he gets these places. But, uh, uh, oh boy. And then... In regards to his former vice president, Mike Pence. Your vice president, Mike Pence, Pence says he's, quote, deeply troubled by what's in the indictment. And he says, quote, the indictment contains serious charges and I cannot defend what's alleged. Mike Pence 
had documents that were classified. And he turned them over? No, he didn't turn them over. He got caught. His lawyers found some documents, and then he turned them over. Why did he have them? He shouldn't be saying that because he had classified documents. And immediately they said, oh, that's okay. And I suppose it's going to be okay with Biden, too, even though he has them in Chinatown, even though he has them in Delaware, and probably a hundred times more than I have. So you're not worried about this case? Based on the law, zero. Zero. Presidential Records Act, plus the act, plus the Clinton case, the Clinton case, which was won by Clinton as president because he took, he took tapes of leaders in his socks. Uh, zero. Okay. Zero. And every good lawyer has said it, and you've seen that. Every good lawyer has said that. Obviously, there are others you know what the who push back. And then, this you know. was a weaponization of politics. This was a weaponization of the White House. This was a horrible thing. A candidate that's leading, I'm leading Biden by a lot. They go out and they weaponize. This you, is a horrible thing that was done. Well, let's talk about the politics. It's never been done. Let's talk about before. the politics. You I feel like every good lawyer hasn't said that. Okay? Yeah? You got it? Like... He did turn him over. Why are you like, what is this? I just, I don't know. But there's also former President Bill Clinton. Donnie Boy just brought him up with the socks, the sock drawer case. Uh, back in the day, Clinton kept tapes of his interviews with historian Taylor Branch, who was documenting an oral history of Clinton's time in the White House in his sock drawer. When Judicial Watch, a conservative activist group, sought a court order in 2010 to require the National Archives to designate the tapes as presidential records under the Presidential Records Act and require Clinton to turn them over, the National Archives said that they had already concluded the tapes weren't presidential records, so law enforcement never got involved in the matter. That's how it's different. And then, of course, is the investigation surrounding crooked Hillary herself. Evil! Former First Lady and Secretary of State Hillary Clinton and her emails. You'll remember the investigation that took place during the 2016 presidential race when then-presidential candidate Hillary Clinton used a private email server in her home when she was Secretary of State. She did that. It's not a good thing. It was found that she discussed classified information, but not the classified documents themselves, on eight emails that were stored on that server. The FBI said it was possible, but that it did not have any evidence that the server had been attacked by hostile actors. The FBI also said that Clinton and her team had been, quote, extremely careless in their handling of very sensitive, highly classified information, unquote and committed, quote, potential violations of the statutes regarding the handling of classified information, unquote. But then FBI Director James Comey, who reopened the investigation into Clinton's emails in October 2016, which was just weeks before the presidential election, after more emails that included classified information were found belonging to Clinton's former top aide, Huma Abedin, on the laptop of then-husband, former congressman, Anthony Weiner, what a last name, really fits his character, ultimately determined that no charges should be brought, James Comey did, because he said that because Clinton clearly didn't exhibit intent to commit a crime, she didn't share the emails with unauthorized parties and cooperated with the investigation, no charges should be brought. How about that? Not sharing emails with unauthorized parties and cooperating. Those are two things that Trump did not do because he did share the information with unauthorized parties and he didn't cooperate with the investigation, even if he says he did. So the FBI determined that while Clinton was likely negligent, she was not malevolent in this case. And the same probably couldn't be said about the Trump case. So that's how Trump's case differs from all those other government officials, even as he complains they should be charged too, as you just heard, there are major differences in each. But there's also the fact that Trump is going to continue to face other investigations and possible charges. His run-in with the law isn't even done. Like, he's still facing two other major criminal investigations 
in addition to already having been indicted twice because there's an investigation going on in Georgia right now. In Fulton County, Georgia, District Attorney Fannie Willis is currently investigating Trump's attempts to overturn the results of the 2020 presidential election in that state. Remember him calling the Secretary of State and be like, I only need 11,000, whatever the heck, votes. Just get them for me. Look, all I want to do is this. I just want to find uh, 11,780 votes, which is one more than we have. But it's a big problem in Georgia. And it's, it's not a problem that's going away. I mean, you know, it's not a problem that's going away. And, and we got President, it. This is Ryan. We're yeah. looking into every one of those things that, that you mentioned. Um, okay, and all investigators I know, but if you find them, you got to say it, Ryan. If and, they're, and let me ask you, Ryan, if they're destroying ballots. Let me tell you what we are seeing. Go ahead. Good. We, what, what we're seeing is not at all what you're describing. Okay. And it, these are investigators from our office. These are investigators from uh, GBI. Um, and they're looking and they're good. And that's not what they're seeing. And we'll keep, we'll, we'll keep looking. We'll keep looking at all these things. Well, you better check on the ballots because they are shredding ballots. Well, Willis is investigating that. And she said that she's going to announce later this summer whether charges are going to be brought. And then, of course, there's also Jack Smith's investigation, the special counsel. He may be done investigating Trump's role regarding classified documents, but he's still investigating Trump's role in the January 6th insurrection and Trump's attempts to overturn the 2020 presidential election, which, of course, we all know he lost. What we don't know is when federal prosecutors will decide whether Trump will be indicted in this case, but earlier this month, former Trump White House official Steve Bannon was reportedly subpoenaed by a federal grand jury in Washington in connection with that investigation. So it's still going along. And all of this is happening while he's still running for president and is still, if you didn't, if you haven't been looking at polling recently, still the front runner for the Republican nomination. There was a new CNN poll that came out on Tuesday. It showed that even after the indictment, it was taken after the indictment had happened, Trump still holds the support of 47% of Republicans and Republican-leaning registered voters in the Republican primary, which is down 6% from last month, but that's obviously not that big of a change. But his favorability rating among those groups of voters, Republicans and Republican-leaning registered voters, dropped from 77% in May to 67% now, and 23% of Republicans say they wouldn't support him for the nomination under any circumstances. Something else that I found interesting is that Trump's main rival at the moment, Republican rival, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, his number for Republicans saying that they wouldn't support him for the nomination under any circumstances is 21%, which is up six points from last month, which means that that party is pretty divided. And among all Americans, 59% say that Trump should end his campaign now that he's facing federal charges. Another 11% say he should if he is convicted of those charges. 55% say that Trump acted illegally in the classified documents case, while 30% say he acted unethically but not illegally. And a wonderful 15% of you all said that he did nothing wrong. That's not a fact. Which, y'all, the meat writing is crazy. And 61% say that they approve of the decision to indict him. And you remember... I said earlier we were going to play more clips from that Fox News interview that Trump gave Brett Baer on Monday. Brett Baer, by the way, who's co-moderating the first Republican presidential debate in August for Fox News. And Baer actually did a pretty good job holding Trump's feet to the fire, including attacking his well-known notion that he only hires the best people. Listen to this clip. In 2016, you said that. I'm going to surround myself with only the best and most serious people. 
Well, I did do that. This and we time, had tremendous look. We had the best economy we've ever had. This the world time, has ever seen. Your vice president, Mike Pence, is running against you. Yeah. Your ambassador to the United Nations, Nikki Haley, she's running against you. Your former secretary of state, Mike Pompeo, said he's not supporting you. You mentioned National Security Advisor John Bolton. He's not supporting you either. You mentioned Attorney General Bill Barr. Uh, says you shouldn't be president again. Uh, calls you the consummate narcissist and troubled man. You recently called and uh, Barr a, a gutless pig. Uh, your second defense secretary is not supporting you. Called you irresponsible. This week, you and your White House called your White House Chief of Staff John Kelly weak and ineffective and born with a very small brain. You called your acting White House Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney a born loser. You called your first Secretary of State Rex Tillerson dumb as a rock. And your first Defense Secretary James Mattis the world's most overrated general. You called your White House Press Secretary Kayla Kennedy milquetoast. And multiple times you've referred to your Transportation Secretary Elaine Chao as Mitch McConnell's China loving wife. So, why did you hire all of them in the first place? Because I hired 10 to 1 that were fantastic. We had a great economy. We had phenomenal people in charge of the economy. We had phenomenal people in the military. I'm not a fan of Millie, and I'm not a fan of certain of the television people. But I knocked out ISIS. I defeated ISIS. They said, Mattis, it would take three years, and I don't think we can do it. I did it in a period of, like, four weeks. There's a lot of people who praise you for your policies. I just said true. that. That's true. Well, I mean, you just went through a list. But don't forget, for everyone you say, I had 10 that love us. So he does hire the best people, just not the ones you named. For everyone you name, there's 10 that love us. And all these, like, I don't know how he comes up with all these different insults. But how old is this man? 70, whatever the freak. And all he does is just insult people who, at, these are people who most of the time meet Ride, as I just said earlier. They love him, support him. Kaylee McEnany goes on Fox News every day and declares her love for him every single day on Fox News. She says one bad thing, and now she's milk toast. Like, really? Like, it's, it's actually sad. What's wrong with this man? Just, I don't know. I got one more clip for you, though. Because, you know, Brett Baer kind of tried to set him up to lighten him up to swing voters who are going to, you know, decide next year's election. And Trump was like, you know what? I know you're trying to do something nice for me, but it's not going to work. I'm going to alienate him again. Listen. What do you say to that female independent suburban voter who feels that way to win her back? First of all, I won in 2020 by a lot. Okay. You Let's know, get that straight. I won in 2020. You know that this, and if you look at all of the tapes, if the you look at shows. everything that you want to look at, you take a look at Truth to Vote, where they have people stuffing the ballot boxes on tapes, or let's go to recent. Well, wait a minute. Let's go to recent. FBI Twitter. Let's go to recent. The 51 agents. All corrupt stuff, Brett. Understand about the all, Hunter Biden. Well, no, but that's cheating on things, the election. But that's cheating on the election. You lost the 2020 election. Uh, Brett. Uh, you take a look at all of the stuffed ballots, you take a look at all of the things, including things like the 51 intelligence there were, agents. There were recounts in all of the swing states. There was not significant right, widespread We're trying fraud. to get recounts, real recounts, not just numbers of votes Widespread cast. corruption, there was not a sense of that. There were lawsuits, more than 50 of them, by your lawyers, some in front of Freddie, judges, Freddie. judges that you appointed. Look at Wisconsin. That came out with Wisconsin no evidence. Is, Brett, Wisconsin has practically admitted it was rigged. Other states are doing the same right now, and it's continuing. There have been reviews it was a of every election. potential case of voter fraud in six battleground states, and they found fewer than 475 cases. You know why? Because they didn't effective. look at the right things. Okay, Brent. are you going they to were be counting? They were counting ballots, not the authenticity of the ballot. The ballots were fake ballots. You had, this I was asked, a very rigged Are you election. going to go, this is how you're going to tell that independent suburban no, woman no, voter no. to vote we're for We're off to winning an election, and I think we're winning very well. Listen, you know what? Winning very well. I mean, like, dude, you lost. Get over it. Like, you, you're like, this dude is like Mexico. If you watch the U.S.-Mexico game, he's a sore loser. Like, <laughs> I mean, the stuff he's repeating is absolute nonsense. We all know. All of that stuff was some of the stuff, the fraud claims, widespread fraud, it's been found. There were court cases. Nothing has been found of any of that. And he just keeps repeating the same old lies. We're three years later. Shut up. 
Gash facts. Like, God, bro, holy cow. What is he talking about? Wisconsin has basically admitted it's fraud. Like, no, what are you talking about? Like, it's amazing. That was the question. Teed him up, and he immediately goes and just, just some phony fraud BS. I mean, it's, it's absolutely insane. But, like, also, if he did win the 2020 election, that means he can't run again, right? Because that's two terms. So he had two terms, so he can't run. Hmm. I don't know. Unless, you know, forget the Constitution. Who cares what it says? Three terms. Like, I, his reasoning, you know, oh, I won, but I get to run for a third term. I don't, ugh, I don't know. So there you have it, y'all. The latest happenings of one Donnie boy, all there. There's a lot to get caught up on, and it's pretty important to know the facts because, you know, people like uh, the person you just heard, they don't like to spew facts very often, as you just heard. So it's important to get the facts Y'all just got the facts on everything that's going on with that man. That was a fact. There you go. Sanders facts. We are not done on this podcast, though. Just to wrap up the podcast, just quickly, I wanted to remind you all that it has been one year since the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Saturday marks the one-year anniversary of the Supreme Court's decision in the case of Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization, and a lot has happened in regards to abortion rights across the country in the years since. Because since Roe v. Wade had been decided in 1973, abortion had obviously been recognized as protected as a right under the Constitution. Dobbs v. Jackson happens last year. That changed. When the Supreme Court overturned its own precedent, which hasn't happened a lot, and Justice Samuel Alito sent the decision back to the states. So to wrap up the podcast pretty quickly this week, I just wanted to take a look at exactly what has changed in the U.S. and what could happen in the future as we just take a look at a quick overview on this. Because without federal protections, there's a bunch of states that have moved to restrict abortion. Abortion used to be legal, as we all know, in all 50 states. That is no longer the case. And I'm going to give you the status update here on every state big fact incoming there are 20 states that have put in new restrictions there's six states which have passed restrictions but those potential restrictions have been blocked in court there are four others and in dc where it remains legal and in the remaining 20 states there have been new protections passed protections so it's legal and they've gone further to protect it So, out of those first 20 states that have restrictions in place, 11 of them are complete bans with no exceptions for rape or incest. Because you know what, darling? If you get raped by your cousin, you better be having that baby, okay? What? (laughs) Yeah, oh boy. So, those states are Alabama, Arkansas, Idaho, Kentucky, Louisiana, Missouri, Oklahoma, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, and Wisconsin. In Idaho, the state Supreme Court ruled there is no constitutional right to an abortion, but a federal judge ruled in August that doctors cannot be punished for performing an abortion to protect a patient's health. In Kentucky, voters did not vote in favor of a ballot measure back in November that would have amended the state constitution to say it contains no right to an abortion. So their legislator did something that the people didn't approve of. Interesting. And in Texas, citizens can sue abortion providers and those assisting patients who get an abortion after six weeks of pregnancy. Of course, Texas is the one where they're talking about the death penalty for people who get abortions. Once again, pro-life. And in Wisconsin, the governor and attorney general of the state are Democrats. They have filed a lawsuit attempting to block the ban that was in place before Roe versus Wade was ruled back in the 70s. You've also got Mississippi and West Virginia, which allow exceptions for rape and incest, but it is otherwise banned. And in North Dakota, abortion is banned except for rape or incest exceptions in the first six weeks. Georgia banned abortion after six weeks, and while a lower court judge ruled the ban was unconstitutional in November, 
The state Supreme Court reinstated that ban while an appeal is heard to that ruling. In Nebraska, they passed a 12-week ban back in May. Abortion is currently banned after 15 weeks in Arizona and Florida. Florida recently passed a six-week ban, Ronald McDonald. Yum! But that is currently being reviewed by the state Supreme Court. In Utah, they banned abortions after 18 weeks with a law that would have required the procedure to be done in hospitals. That was temporarily blocked by a judge. North Carolina currently has a 20-week ban. That will become 12 weeks on July 1st. After the legislature overrode a veto from the Democratic governor, there was some um, interesting stuff that happened in North Carolina, if y'all haven't read about that. And the six states where bans have been blocked are Indiana, Iowa, Montana, Ohio, South Carolina, and Wyoming. In Indiana, Iowa, Ohio, and South Carolina, the current restriction is 22 weeks. And in Montana and Wyoming, it is up until viability. In Indiana, the bill to ban nearly all abortions has been blocked in court while the courts hear lawsuits against it. In Iowa, the Supreme Court is currently deadlocked over a six-week ban. In Montana, the state passed 10 anti-abortion laws this year, but they've been blocked in court. In Ohio, a six-week ban has been blocked. In South Carolina, a state judge has temporarily blocked a six-week ban, while the state Supreme Court actually ruled back in January that a similar restriction was unconstitutional. And in Wyoming, a judge blocked the state's abortion ban and a bill that would ban the use of abortion pills. Too many facts. There are also four states where no changes have taken place, so abortion remains legal. In Alaska... There is no gestational limit, and the state Supreme Court actually recognized a right to reproductive choice under its constitution. In Kansas, the current limit is 22 weeks. After, y'all may remember this, but in August of last year, I believe, voters voted to reject a state constitution amendment that would say the state constitution contains no right to an abortion after the state Supreme Court ruled in 2019 that it is protected. In New Hampshire... The limit is currently 24 weeks, and in Virginia, the limit is viability. Although, I will note, because it is my commonwealth of Virginia, the November 2023 elections could change that. All 140 seats in the Virginia General Assembly are up for grabs. And of course, the governor is Mr. Glenjamin, and he doesn't like abortion very much. He has said that if Republicans are able to take control of both houses of the legislature, then there is going to be some abortion restrictions that are passed in Virginia. So, and we also had the primaries tonight, Tuesday the 20th, the day I'm recording this podcast. And y'all, I don't know if y'all remember Amanda Chase. Trump in heels said martial law should be declared by Trump because he lost. She got primaried, and now we lost her. That's really sad. Ha ha, loser! JK. But anyway, just saying, Virginia could change if we don't vote in November. And then there's also Washington, D.C., where there is no gestational limit. And then there's also 20 states where abortion remains legal and the states have actually passed new protections on abortion. So the states where abortion is legal up until viability are California, Connecticut, Delaware, Hawaii, Illinois, Maine, Maryland, Michigan, Minnesota, New York, Rhode Island, and Washington State. And the states where there is no gestational limit are Colorado, New Jersey, New Mexico, Oregon, and Vermont, while the limit is 24 weeks in Massachusetts, Nevada, and Pennsylvania. So, that's like a quick update on all 50 states and how it's going. Because that's a lot different than what it was a year ago, where it was legal in all 50 states. Now that's not the case. So, what are the next steps? What's going to happen next? Good question. Well, obviously, Roe was overturned, and there were a bunch of, you know, anti-abortion activists, or they'll call themselves pro-life. They declared victory. But some of them, they're not done. They're like, we, we are not done with this. We haven't stopped yet. They're still fighting for bans to abortion in states across the country, including in Virginia, and they want a nationwide ban on abortion. But polling continues to show, 
as we've mentioned on the podcast before when we've talked about abortion, they are in the minority. There's a new Gallup poll that came out a few days ago that showed 61% of respondents said that overturning Roe was a bad thing, 38% said the opposite. It also found that abortion in the first three months of pregnancy was supported by 69% of Americans, nice, which is the highest since at least 1994. And according to the CDC, 91% of abortions occur within the first 13 weeks. After 22 weeks, where most laws were during Roe v. Wade, only 0.8% of abortions take place after 22 weeks. And the numbers are so tiny beyond 30 weeks that they round up to 0.00%. And obviously, you know, if you're having an abortion after 22 weeks, it's because something's happened. It's not because, oh, you know what, I've just decided I'm, I don't like this baby anymore. No, it's because something medically has actually gone wrong. And there's also a USA Today Suffolk University poll, which came out on Sunday, that finds that 53% would actually support a federal law that would ensure access to abortion, compared to 39% who would oppose. On the flip side, 80% of respondents say that they would oppose a federal law that would ban abortion nationwide, including 65% of Republicans. It's not a popular issue for them. That same poll found that 58% opposed the decision to overturn Roe, just 30% supported it. But in the years since Roe was overturned, public opinion appears to be shifting in favor of abortion access, because that same USA Today poll found that 23% of respondents have become more supportive of legal abortion in the past year, only 6% say they have become less supportive in the past year. And this is all coming, as we know, the number of legal induced abortions per year in the U.S. has continued to fall from the highs of 1990. In that year, the Guttmacher Institute, a research and policy institute, estimated that there were 1.6 million abortions. Compare that to in 2020, the estimated there were just 930,000. The data from the CDC shows that there were 1.4 million legal abortions in 1990 compared to just 615,000 30 years later. This is true. Obviously, if you want to reduce abortion, free access to contraception, which they're also trying to get rid of, a lot of them, and sex education, which they're trying to ban in the schools along with critical race theory. So, two major things that would actually lower the number of abortions they don't support. Sex education in schools, which we called family life back in my day. And I turned out fine, I think, from all that scarring. I know I was scarred, traumatized. And then free access to contraception, birth control, which they're actively fighting which makes me think maybe it's not just about abortion and saving babies. Maybe it's about control. If you actually think about it, it's not too crazy. I don't know. But until one party gains complete control of the House, the Senate, and the White House and removes the filibuster in the Senate, we're going to continue to live in this post-Roe world that we are right now. If Democrats can win a federal government trifecta in 2024 and they have the votes to remove the filibuster, because even if they win the Senate, they may still not, they could pass a law to ensure access to abortion nationwide. If Republicans can gain a trifecta, there's talk they could pass a total ban. Although you obviously saw how unpopular that is. If you'll remember, though, the poll numbers that we had a year ago on our podcast, the NPR PBS NewsHour Marist poll found that 56% opposed the ruling in Dobbs, while 40% supported it. CBS News found that 59% disapproved, 41% approved. So, uh, support for abortion has actually increased, and the number of people who approve of that ruling has gone down almost significantly, almost 10%. 
But USA Today found that it was just the fifth most important issue for voters because there's also inflation, which, by the way, has gone down a lot recently, immigration, threats to democracy, and gun control. So we take a look one year later, and there are absolutely many more restrictions in place for abortion. But of course, it depends on where you go, which state you live in. But there are still many who want to continue to restrict abortion rights in America, continuing to pass laws in many states that continue to crack down. Y'all know how I feel about this. You don't have to approve of abortion. You don't have to be like, oh, I love killing babies, which I don't think anybody does, by the way, or even think it's morally acceptable. You know, according to Gallup, only 52% of Americans say it's morally acceptable. But I would say it's pretty ironic for the party that says they're small government and they're freedom-loving, we're freedom to restrict people's access to doing something with their own body that doesn't affect anyone else whatsoever. Especially when not having access can end up being life-threatening. Like, there's still a reason why 0.8% of abortions come after the 22nd week. It's not, as I said, people who think that there's other people who at the 25th week of pregnancy just wake up one day and say, you know what, I just, I can't, I'm not doing this, I'm going to kill this baby with an abortion. That's not happening. It's because there's actually something medically wrong that happens that requires an abortion to take place, likely to save the life of the mother, or because the fetus dies. It happens. But... I just read you all a list of states where there's absolutely no exceptions, starting from the zeroth week of pregnancy. But you know what? That's all I'll say, because I talked a lot more about abortion on our podcast a year ago, which came out just after that Dobbs ruling, episode 68, which you should go check out for more info. I had a bunch of other facts on there, too. So if you want more on that, on this topic, episode 68 from last year, from last June, is the way to go. But that's really all I've got on that topic. All the facts that I've got this week for abortion, for Donnie Boy, for all that stuff on episode 109 of the Zaders Facts podcast. So thank you all so much for listening. And remember that if you liked all the facts that we had on this week's edition, remember to follow this podcast, download this episode, episode 109, Rate and review the podcast. Check us out on all the socials too. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, at Xander's Facts. That is Xander with a Z. And most importantly, remember to tell all your friends, spread the facts, Xander's Facts podcast. Tell all your friends about the podcast, about the newsletter, Xander's Weekend Facts, about Xander's Facts on YouTube, because this episode and all our new episodes get posted to YouTube too. So go subscribe, check that out. And check out the Xander's Facts link tree because it has all the Xander's Facts links that you need. So that's a wrap on episode 109. We're not doing a new podcast next week. We've got a Xander's Facts flashback. So still some facts that you're probably going to want to listen to next week if you missed them. So still check that out next week. But our next new episode of the podcast, episode 110, is coming out in two weeks. And listen, y'all, 110. That's a big podcast. So we're going to have some facts for you in two weeks, episode 110. Remember to check that out. But that is it. That is a wrap on episode 109 of the Zaner's Facts podcast. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see y'all with episode 110 in two weeks. Ready?